Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. We didn't quite finish the job we started last week, so Grant McMillan and I are back with a brief, somewhat addled episode 62 to continue answering questions posed to us on the Savage Critic website. The plan was to do a strong 90 minutes, but recording woes mean that it's going to be more like a slightly sketchy hour. Nevertheless, join us on an abbreviated trip through listeners' questions with topics including the kid-friendly books in the New 52, Matt Fraction and Dave Eggers, Kenny X-Force, Spaceman Number 1 and the Future of Vertigo, Kevin Ozinga's Ganges, Alphas and Misfits, and as much as we can work into our unfortunately truncated time schedule. We hope you enjoy, and as always, thanks for listening. What's the word, good buddy? Uh, it is not necessarily. It might be that fuck word that you were going to apologize for using. Cause... But, no, but this is great because we haven't recorded the opening. Then this is the start of the podcast now, and I've not said it, and you have. You're right. Okay, you're set. Okay, Thanks, this right. is okay. like yes. Okay, hey listeners, it turns out that we have just done another half hour of not recording. Yes, which was exciting. Um, um, I, I, well, first of all, I should. I'll I'll bring you up to date, listeners. Uh, Jeff and I only have an hour of recording time left. Yes. Because we've both had a really crazy morning <laughs> and we have a hard stop. Uh, we've not recorded for the first uh, 20 minutes of, of the podcast. You've not actually missed an incredible amount, it has to be said. That is we, true. We've discussed a crazy morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff had something going on with his headset that involved him speaking outside of the headset. Uh, and what was the word you used that was spectacular that I congratulated on you? Oh, uh, Byzantine. Yeah, Byzantine. Talking about the connection of wires. Uh, um, and we answered Rick's question about whether Marvel or DC recap pages help with the title's accessibility. Right. Uh, to, the, to do the very short version, um, not really, but that's possibly because neither of us like the recap pages and neither of us really think that Marvel books are necessarily more accessible than DC books in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And so, they were up yeah. date. So that is like 20 minutes of what we said pretty much compressed into 20 seconds yes you so you like the art and the coloring on the uncanny x-force oh yes yes uh art and coloring on uncanny x-force i really liked the story i kind of liked i just did not think it was accessible at all i spent half the book right pretty much being like i understand it's this weird thing i've got with reading comics now where i can understand it but i can still get mad at them for not explaining it Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like if they just do shout outs to previous books, but mm-hmm. never try and explain it, it, it kind of irritates me and it really sticks out for me. Right. And I, I think that Uncanny X-Force is full of that. Uncanny X-Force is, basically assumes that you have a, a grounding in X-Force lore. Mm-hmm. And if you're mm-hmm. coming to it completely cold, you're going to be lost. Or not even you're going to be lost. You're either going to have to make the decision that you're okay being lost Yes, or which is read, what I did. Or read previous books. Yeah, And I think or, that's yeah. a real shame because mm-hmm. in execution, I think Uncanny X-Force could be a gateway book for a lot of readers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's an X-Book that doesn't act like an X-Book. Right, exactly. The and art I, I is think, lovely. And, oh, but, but even the, the story, I mean, he pretty much plays it as sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a sci-fi story. And frankly, I think that his characters are all are all fun. You know what I mean? Like, not all of them, but I, I, I would say that, you know, I, I'm a sucker for Deadpool. I like his characterization of Phantom X. And then you've got Wolverine in there. And so there's something that's kind of weirdly, um, you know, it it's it's my idea. It's the it's the X-Men title of the you know, equivalent of the Defenders or Champions or something. Like, I also have to say, this is the first time in possibly ever that I've ever found Psylocke anything other than annoying. Mm, mm, yeah, 
Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, she's she's. I don't mind her in this. I think in part because they are playing up the the sort of telepathic healer slash conflicted love stuff, and not as much with the like, hey, now I'm, I'm a ninja. Exactly. Now <laughs> I'm flying through up through the air, and you can almost see my buttocks. You know, it's like the uh, focused totality totality of my <laughs> psychic buttocks. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, but that's, I, I do like the... It's not even necessarily the focusing on healer as much as focusing on the idea that it's a person. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, there, there, is, there are some nice Betsy moments mm-hmm. in the comic, mm-hmm. which I think is the first time she's ever really been given them. Mm-hmm. Because before this, she's pretty much always been played as, either in the early Claremont days, uncertain, do I really belong to the X-Men? Mm-hmm. Or, like, Ninja Sex Bomb. That's right. that's it. That yeah. that's been her characterization for decades now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true, and that is not entirely the case here. So yeah, no, I'm like uh, you said. Also, here's here's something to throw out and not answer because we have an hour. Yes. But um, here's a, a bizarre theory that came to me recently while reading other X Men comics. Mm-hmm. X Men under Chris Claremont became known uh, for its incredibly strong and well-written slash not as terribly written as other comics, female characters. Right. I think in recent years, at least in the last 10 years, uh, basically since Morrison left, X-Men has, the portrayal of female characters in the X franchise has gotten steadily, steadily worse. Mm. To the point where it's kind of terrible. Mm. Interesting. I, of course, I, I'm to, completely... To discuss, comment, people. Yes, please, because Jeff hasn't read enough X-Men stuff. Although I, I grabbed I just, a, I, a Nation X trade off the library shelves yesterday, so I might read that. Oh, you'll go blind. <laughs> I tried Not Nation, in a good I way. I tried Nation X, and it was... Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I figured. Um, let's keep going with questions, because we have an hour. Okay, but we have two things, two dangling things. One is Chris Peterson asked, what if the new 52 is kid-friendly? I let myself read Flash number one. Anything else? And we were kind of like, we have no idea. (laughs) No, no, no. We we can't watch We had a good list, right. Also, the action comics. Probably Static Shock. Probably Supergirl. Right. Um, I thought Justice League was a good pick. Um, uh, Maybe Justice League International, which you were defending to uh, to blow my mind with. Um, uh, and and that OMAC, is, which I had started moving on to, yeah. sort of bitching about OMAC three. And and that that's maybe it. I mean, yeah. there's not there's not a lot. It's a sad thing. Yeah, isn't that sad? Out of fifty two titles, we, you you guys missed the the real time uh, brainstorming between Graham and I as we came up with those list of titles. So, uh, and you know what? I realized you ended the last episode on a on a cliffhanger. Oh, the the um, my fraction of Steve Eggers. Yes, I I'm not going to explain that. Really? Because I totally came up with a reason as to why you think so. And okay, on you go. Clever. Okay, you, you can tell you can tell me the reason you think it is, and I'll tell you whether it is in fact that reason. Okay, so what happened was um, basically years ago, Dave Eggers gave a gave an interview where somebody asked a question that he thought was too snarky, and he basically said, <laughs> "Don't do that." Don't be a hater. And he went on to talk about the how being snarky was like a terrible, awful thing and that he used to engage in it himself as a critic because he you're, was a small, petty person. You're really, really close. You're really <sighs> Okay. Um, it, it is very much the attitude of why can't we all be positive and be creative and we're all groovy people, man? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Fraction and Eggers have a l- real closeness in the inherent belief that positivity is superior to negativity. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, one uh, that belief that belief completely conflicts with their actions, mm-hmm. um, and that their actions constantly reveal themselves to be troubled and at times very petty. Right. Um, but but the both are also incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also do things that undersell their talents or alternatively do things that are so ambitious that they can't complete it properly. Right, right, yeah. There's And there's definitely something of the... Both of them are brilliant in very glib ways. Like, they're both very funny people, um, sort of conversationally and interview-wise, I think. Um and it's one of those things where it's sort of kind of it's part of what gives them the problems of it looks like they're trying to claim every ground at once you know what I mean they're sort of trying to claim the moral high ground while they're actually incredibly good at the snarky put downs which they like doing Well, exactly they they try and be you know why have you got to be a hater there's no room for haters while being haters themselves exactly exactly so it kind of, uh, there is plus, a kind of, of course, elitism. Eggers' Uncanny X-Men run was spectacular. <laughs> and when Matt Fraction launched his own version of McSweeney's, I think everyone loved that. See, they uh, should they should switch for a year and see what happens. Wouldn't that be great? No, it'd be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. So I, I go through periods where I get really into almost the idea of Dave Eggers, if that makes sense. And so I reread a lot of his stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of burn myself out. And then I, you know... There's a couple of years where I'm not, and then I go back in, uh, and I, I'm in I'm in a uh, Eggers positive mode right now, I guess. Ah. Um, but I, I I made the mistake of Wikipediaing him, mm-hmm. and um, a heartbreaking work of Sergeant Genius is something I really like. Mm-hmm. Even when I am anti Eggers, I really right. like heartbreaking work of Sergeant Genius. Yeah. Discovering the thing about his sister that happened after that book was published really upset me. Uh, yeah, actually, I thought it was kind of interesting, especially because, in a way, I was very torn by the way in which it was kind of shunted aside, I think, if if we're talking about the same event. I'm talking about the fact that the sister essentially said his, his version of reality is not true. I essentially raised that kid right. for five years by myself. Mm-hmm. Um. And he used my diaries to write his book and didn't include any of the facts. Oh, wow. and And then afterwards, after she said that, mm-hmm. she then essentially recanted it on McSweeney's mm-hmm. in something that is rumored to have been ghostwritten slash heavily edited by Dave Eggers. Oh, wow. And that then, years later, mm-hmm. killed herself. Yes. Yeah, the suicide... I was aware of the charges of her, you know, or of, that she'd said that he, you know that the stuff that had happened with the younger brother was different and then the the fact that she'd killed herself. I didn't know about the recanting and the... Apparently on McSweeney's and it's no longer on McSweeney's which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But interesting. she made this you know I she calls it a Latoya moment apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's nowhere on the internet anymore that actual post. There's just yeah. this commentary about it and the commentary about it is mostly people saying this is really really weird. It's you know I don't think she did this, <laughs> or I didn't. I don't think she did this willingly. Right. right. Um, and that just, you know, that's that's cosmic bad taste in the mouth stuff. Yeah. 
Well, and it's also kind of creepy and weird that it's not that it's, it's for not the most there. part currently wallpapered over. Yeah. You know? I yeah. mean, not just by, but but by sort of the larger literary establishment. In, well, it it, I mean. it ruins the, the Dave Eggers myth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's just my Dave Eggers excerpt. But um, no, that, that I was reading. Uh, I think I was reading. Um, what's his short story collection called? Boo. That I don't know. I can't even remember. Whatever. Short, I'm like, there's, how, yeah. I think it's called How We're how Hungry or Now We're Hungry. Um, I was reading that, and for some reason, there was something in that that made me go, oh, this guy's my fraction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really was just a, they, they're the same. Of course mm-hmm. they are. Why did I not realize this before? Yeah, so, yeah. Once you said it and I started thinking about it, I was like, oh, right. Yeah, of course. Like, it really lines up surprisingly well, I think. Um, and also, I'd argue that both Eggers and Fractions suffer from becoming too famous too quickly and just not knowing how to deal with it. Well, you know, it, it, interesting, because I actually feel that Eggers, you know, it, at least living in a city where he's got the 826 Valencia stuff and the McSweeney stuff, I mean, there's always people who are, are willing to, to badmouth oh, some no, of that I, stuff. No, I, I think Eggers, has, Eggers is ultimately a force for good. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Even if yeah. even if he himself is a complete shit heel, yeah, 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 yeah. His exactly. work with A twenty six and mm-hmm. even just creating McSweeney's, mm-hmm. agreed, is, is incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, I think yes, yeah. I, I it's tough because I I really am torn on him. I definitely think that that's the case with Fraction. Interestingly enough, I think Eggers persevered because I know. Th- for example, I, at least as terms of uh, a writer, um, I know like Edie, for example, and a couple of her friends read uh, Zaytun and thought it was a really good book. Like it really was emotionally effective for them. So um, I have no idea if there's like other controversies lurking behind it. But considering that it was, you know, a story that he was doing, you know, where he, he was telling someone else's story. They were they were pretty impressed. So I'd like to think that he eventually found his way, as opposed to just sort of becoming a bigger and bigger self parody of himself. Um, which I think still is a situation that Fraction is wrestling with, and and will for a while. The end. The end. Yes, exactly. So that was our cliffhanger from last. That thank God we got that resolved. <laughs> and in the new version of the podcast, before we're twenty minutes in. That is true. That is totally true. Okay. Well, so, uh, yes, back to more questions. Back to questions. Okay, I'm trying to think what we asked and what we didn't ask last time. Scott Laz said, a few months back, you made some dire predictions about the future of Vertigo in the wake of DC's management changes and laying off of some editors. At this point, it seems like things are going along pretty much as they had been with no big changes. Any new thoughts on Vertigo's future? Is it in better shape than we thought? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe? Yeah, I mean, because, well, and I think you mentioned, I forget, does he mention the book trade in that? Yeah, he says, I think Graham predicted the winding down of the original graphic novel line, which yeah. um, I don't think has happened, has it? No, it probably hasn't, because, I mean, we're giving away Marcy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I And also, I think they've that... got the, um, the, the really prettily illustrated and almost impossible to read Rebecca Nguai graphic mm-hmm. novel coming out soon as well. Right. Exactly. And they launched, uh, I mean, admittedly, it's much smaller, uh, less ambitious, but um, Spaceman, number one, uh, was a $1 Vertigo launch, both on Comixology and on um, 
in the comic stores. In, in the real world. Yeah, and I have to say that was, of course, I picked it up for a buck, and it's lovely. Is it? I I did not pick it up because I I have not read enough Azarel that I've liked. Yes, exactly. and also I'd say the preview of Spaceman that was in the Strange Adventures one shot was mm. was horrible to me. Oh really? Yeah, I, I I I really didn't like it. I I really was just like, what is this? No. <laughs> Take it away. Yeah, I ended up liking it. Although, again, it's interesting for me by having a, by by using a, a sort of future patois. Um, Azarello has to fall out of some of his ticks at least a little bit, or at least it's less annoying to me that he's making weird, like oh, excessive punnage. You know, based on like a, a you know future slang, actually works a little bit better for me. There was enough of a distancing from some of his ticks, and again, um, Rizzo's stuff is just there's a there's a couple of his shots, and the colors actually are gorgeous. I flipped back and forth between um, the Comicsology version and the 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 actual. Print did you version. buy both? I did. Why? <laughs> no, genuinely, because I ended up buying both the digital and the print version of the Last Fish of Casanova. Oh, really? Um, Interesting. In part because, I don't know if you remember, but I was like, I'm not going to buy Casanova in print anymore. It's not worth it. I'm going to buy the digital version. And then I bought the digital version of Richard II. I was like, I love this. Right. right. <laughs> I'm going to buy the print version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I figured, because I figured, honestly, for a buck, if I bought both versions, it's still basically just a hair over it's, you know, it, it's it's still, two bucks. Yeah, exactly. You know? it's, it's still cheaper than a regular price comic. Exactly. Exactly. So I figured it, it was kind of worth it. And I at that point, I was kind of curious to, yeah, I just kind of wanted to support both, essentially. Um, and fascinatingly enough to me, the to me, the reproduction on the iPad isn't quite high enough, but the colors look gorgeous. And whereas in looking at the print version of Spaceman, the the lines and uh, inking and everything look, you know, are just so much more sturdy looking, but the colors are just slightly less um, colorful, and it's kind of frustrating. Interesting. I um, got... The Year of Pants, so the, the Years of Pants, the uh, Eddie Campbell collection from the oh, library yeah. um, right. this, this weekend. And I actually have a lot of that in individual collections or individual issues. Right. And because he's re-edited it, mm-hmm. and he says this in the introductions to the individual books, I spent an evening just going between the individual book and the, the new collection, being like, what has he changed? Wow. Graham, I love that obsessive part about you. I, I don't know why. It's not like it would improve my life in any way. But sure, sure enough, I was like, so those are the pages of the history of humor he's cut out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I remember back when um, uh, being a Love and Rockets fan from way back, I remember when they first collected uh, Jaime's 100 Rooms in a trade paperback. It was from Love and Rockets 4, and it was, I mean... That that Love and Rockets issue four was like one of those like comic books that changed my life, and uh, I remember reading. Must have been in the comics journal because I'm like it, there was no online at that point. Um, that they were going that Jaime had changed his had changed the story like he'd added four panels and redrawn a couple of pages to give them better flow, and I remember being like, that was the part of me where Mister Completus just got crushed. 
Like I was like, I should pick that up and compare the two. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, <laughs> Because you are sane. I I don't know if I'm sane, but I'm certainly lazy enough to approach sanity, if that makes sense. I'll so. I'll take that. <laughs> Indeed. Lazy sanity still counts. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Jeff Foster, uh, 40 minutes. Yes. More Go. questions. Wait, did we even answer the vertical question? Uh, I don't have any new thoughts on Vertical's future. I, yeah, I, I, think, don't know, I think we I don't might know where have it is. jumped the gun on that, so it looks stronger than we were expecting by now, um, but but is Karen Berger still with the still with the um, uh, with the Vertigo imprint? As far as I know, because I've heard rumors that like she might have like her contract might be coming up, and I, I nothing gone. nothing has ever been said officially. I think okay. we should politely right. answer it as that. <laughs> no, let's gossip. <laughs> um, I see David Oaks asks uh, the best part about this question. Did you see this question on the the website yes because when i read it it's not going to make any sense uh what are five favorite literary ex- exemplars yes. and when i first saw it i didn't realize that it was an acronym <laughs> and i was like what <laughs> uh, so well done david for making me seem like a moron no 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 in fact david was one of those guys who i think we t- might have titled one of our podcasts the men from waffle and he actually sent an amazing email where he came up with a f- five or six stunning waffle acronyms so um but some at some point i think we even talked like oh we should do a contest where people submit their acronyms and uh we just couldn't because david just annihilated it you know like he gave us the the idea and basically did it better than we could ever imagine it being done so <sighs> chris brown asks mm-hmm. what makes the classic runs from the 80s still so dominant in the collective comics imagination or is it just mine uh i don't think it's just yours yeah uh and i think it's because it's what the current generation of comic readers and creators grew up reading yeah yeah i think that i think that that would be the easier one I, I think that's the same i think it's the same reason that as as we all get older um the 90s are coming back into vogue as well do you know what I mean? That I think that's true. why we're suddenly seeing more things like Age of Apocalypse as an ongoing series. Yeah. You know, which is just like, what? Seriously? That that, that seems insane to me. But right. I, I think yeah. that, I think basically we're just, we're moving forward again. I think give it another 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure where we'll be because we'll be in the 2000s, which is when all the recycling really started. Well, and I have I also have a theory that, that may or may not be right, but that in the 80s there were a, a number of innovations that kind of happened that um that like like if you read like I know people who can't go back to the 70s stuff, especially 70s Marvel because everything is so overwritten in that faux Stanley voice. Yes. And that sort of starts to fade for Marvel in the 80s, you know. You've got Claremont is sort of that weird hybrid voice, but even you get people like Mark Grunwald and things where they're kind of, it's, it's a, it's, it's a different voice. You can see the relationship to it, but, um, I honestly think that the stuff that was happening in the eighties. And then if you look over at DC with the stuff that Moore and Miller were doing and the innovations that people followed with that, that, I think that the r- classic runs in the 80s are actually more accessible to a reader now because 
there, a lot of the things we take for common sort yeah, of start. Yeah, it was there. essentially the birth of the comic as we know it now, or the American yeah, comic exactly. as we know it now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That there was a whole bunch of stuff that existed prior to which that you know was a huge. But it's really interesting, isn't it? Because if you think about it, the Silver Age books mm-hmm. now seem as outdated as the Golden Age does. Yeah, there, there's as much uh, distance in content. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, yeah, that it's, it's that it becomes a really odd thing, even mm-hmm. even the 1970s books because they they yes. so slavishly followed. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Yeah, it, it's it is really weird to think about the 1980s are for a lot of people year zero. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, year zero and year zero in a way that we can still sort of it's easier for people to make that trip back and be like, oh, I recognize this and this is the idiom, you know, as opposed to like when you pick up like. I don't know, a, a historical novel before Mark Twain or something, and you're just like, this is unreadable and leaden and all this stuff, you know. It's just it's just different. So that's my theory, and, I, I, and I'm willing to stick to it. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. Chris here asked, could we only say positive things about Alan Moore? We did that last time. But the answer is, we could, but really, would it be that interesting? Um, yeah. Gary says, I'd love to see what you think of Marv Wolfman's work. In, as re- in the same retrospective as the Chris Claremont retrospective, which we keep promising to do. With yes. 35 minutes left in this podcast, we're not going to get to do that today. Uh, but the short version is I've not read nearly enough of Mark Wolfman's to be able to do that. And I have to say, and this is this is going to be tough because it, it sort of flies in the face of, of Gary's thesis, is I kind of feel that I, as somebody who jumped from X-Men to Teen Titans, Teen Titans by Wolfman and Perez was really my entrance into DC because while reading them, that's where I saw the house ad for Alan Moore Swamp Thing and that really, you know, then I was off to the races, I guess. But I feel Wolfman's stuff, even at the time, wasn't awesome. Like, I don't, I think that I can reread Chris Claremont stuff and there's, there's stuff that's weirdly, uh, what's the word? Like, you know, a little tacky, a little awkward, a little idiomatic of the age. Whereas I think Wolfman's stuff always struck me as slightly uh, shrill, uh, even at the time. It's a little histrionic. Well, I, I've told you before that I didn't read Teen Titans when it was coming out at all. So, the, like, first time I even read a Wolfman Breast Teen Titans was, you know, five years ago at most. And so right. Wolfman Perez's Teen Titans has always struck me as this weird, almost parody of 1970s Marvel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's I, something I about his tone and his execution that is just mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's enjoyably overwrought. I mean, particularly Wolfman and Perez are a good match because Perez's, you know, sort of like open jaw, gritted teeth, you know, all of his all of his characters are, are like little miniature Tom Cruises, just like running around and overacting all over everything. Um, and it, it sort of suits Wolfman's sort of more histrionic kind of stuff. But Chris Claremont is really, to me, like William Shatner, where like even even his quiet moments are hammy, but there's clearly an understanding of what he's trying for in his hammy way, I think. You know, at least in the classic Claremont phase. Um, and I, I never really felt that way with Wolfman, frankly. Even when he was doing stories that I liked. Sorry, Marv Wolfman. <laughs> you were so quiet. I'm like, I've blown his mind with the Claremont Shatner uh, comparison. You kind of did, to be honest. 
Um, okay, now we are moving into the crazy part of this comment section. Did you read this comment section where it went completely crazy? I, I did, and it was tough, because okay. I really, yeah. Yeah, uh, let's see. So Chase Mini basically said, hey, the artists of Marvel are really good. David Adjo, Paolo Rivera, Marcus Martin are modern masters. They are. I, I can't think of anything to add to that. They're very good. Yep. And I'd, I'd add Jerome Opina to that as well. Yeah. I think he's got really nice character work in X-Force. Um, Dan Coyle said, why, 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 over and over again? Because, because, because. That's right. Or even perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> do, 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 do. And so the secret war between Dan Coyle and Graham McMillan continues. continues. Yes, exactly. My comic life uh, asks us to comment on Red Wing by Jonathan Aikman, which I've not read, so I can't do it. I read issue two. Actually, I had a friend lend me issue two, and I remember thinking, like, I should come back and read this. I really loved the design and the art, and it sort of seemed interesting, the the whole kind of, like, I think it was, like, space dudes and time travel thing. It felt like reading... It, it It's the same thing that I have with Hickman's stuff. It's like, I feel like I should love his stuff, and then his execution always really bums me out and so when he said so when my comic life says the entire foreshoe run was confusing the characters were lifeless and the artwork was really poor i'm like i could see where by the end like the artwork may not have been working because it was already getting a little you know stiff in that the way that somebody imitating jeff darrow and not quite pulling it off can end up looking stiff um but I, I, yeah, I just, I'm just not a Hickman. I'm just not a Hickman dude. I'm, I'm not. I. Uh, yeah, as we said, the comment about uh, confusing characters, lifeless, pretty much sums up my reaction to his Fantastic Four. Exactly. Yeah. Same. Ditto for me. It always feels like chess pieces being moved around. I read, I swear to God, four issues of of Shield, and I thought, even though the art was lovely, um, that story was just a, was dead on arrival. You know, it just it didn't work. I the, didn't know the kids like him. The kids like him, though, Jeff. Yeah, they sure do. They sure do. So I think, and by kids we mean Tim Callahan. So no, uh, no, 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 no. David is a no, 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 as well. No, no, no. David is a Loves, loves, loves. Huge boost from some Jonathan Aikman. Yeah, and there's some other guys who are too. Yeah. So. Uh, Mick Platzer asks, "Why is Ed Brubaker's Criminal consistently excellent and his superior comics utterly mediocre? Is his X Men run any good? Did we do this last week?" We did do this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We said that his X-Men run wasn't any good. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, apart from, I sort of like Diddley Genesis, but then it all went downhill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't. Steven Williamson, we both talked about that, I remember. Mo Walker? Um, did we do Mo Walker? I don't think we did. I think we had to stop. Why do you guys think that. of the X-Men gender-bending artwork showcase in IO9? Um, it was okay if you like that sort of thing, I guess. Uh, you know, I, I looked I, at it and then didn't retain it. Yeah, it's it's essentially what if all the women X Men were men? Uh, wouldn't the costumes look ridiculous? What if the male X Men were female? Wouldn't the costumes look ridiculous? And in both cases, the answers were yes. Yeah. Um, sure. What are your thoughts on the number of Legion of Superhero books on the stands? There's far too many. There's no need for there to be three Legion of Superheroes books on the stands. Oh, yeah. I am a massive Legion fan, and there's no need for there to be three Legion of Superhero books on the stands. That's right. We should uh, we should mention though, although you mentioned the last one, you you're enjoying Legion Lost. You thought Legion Lost. Was I mean, great. I yeah, I actually even thought the Legion of Superiors issue two was okay. Legion's uh, Secret Origin d- did not work for me at all, and I'm not entirely sure why. Mm-hmm. Although I will point out, I do think it's hilarious. It's the second retelling of the Legion's origin in the last two years, written by Paul Levitz. <sighs> Man, I know. <laughs> 
There's a problem right there. There is a huge problem right there. Yeah. Um, so. Have you guys watched a sci-fi show called Alphas? Yes, I have. Have you? I have not. Uh, what are your thoughts? I thought it was completely fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's avoided the problems that plagued previous X Light shows like Heroes Mutant X. Yeah, I think it's a totally different type of show. Um, it's it's fine. It's a sci-fi channel show, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think I and I'm saying that as someone who likes them. But there's a certain level that beyond which, unless you are Battlestar Galactica, that beyond which, like, it's a vaguely superficial show, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's really light and enjoyable, uh, and it hints at deeper issues, mm-hmm. but it will never really go there. Mm-hmm. And I'm completely okay with that. Mm-hmm. But I also think that Alphas is writing checks that it will not cash, ultimately. I think it's asking a lot of questions that it will never really answer. And so I, I think that people who are like, oh my god, at the end they did this, I think it's going to be a cliffhanger that's going to be quickly resolved as opposed to, you know, addressing the actual, actual topic. Right. Have you seen um, Have you seen Misfits? I have not. And I know it's on all over the internet. It's yeah, on legally all over the internet as well. Yeah, exactly. Which is which is why I had the weird. Um, I don't know if this is some sort of nerd Rubicon or or it says something about geek culture. But here we have Misfits, which is a show, a Brit show about people with superpowers. Um, my wife loves the show. I watched one episode and had no interest in it. Did and, you ever see No Heroics? No, which I remember reading about a lot. Did you end up seeing that? Yeah, because it ended up running on DirecTV. And everyone who has never seen this show, it's written by Drew Pierce, who's now writing a lot of Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a sitcom in a world where everyone has superpowers based around a bar called, I think the bar is called No Heroics, where they all go and relax, basically. Um, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's, it's almost a show... As you can tell, the dogs are downstairs. Uh, it's yes. almost a show about where the superheroes are completely incidental. It's not a superhero show, I guess, is what I'm asking. Right, right. Yep, Misfits is interesting because it really reminds me a lot of Heroes if you had, like, you know, very talented people kind of acting in it. Uh, I, I thought that, but, like... When they were ex- just when the origin happened, I was like, "Wait, is that? An- that's not actually the origin, is it? Like that is just like the most tapped in sort of like, like they don't even hint that there might be mythology building to it later." I was just like, "Okay, there probably will be," but like it just seemed like a lazy half-ass show with- that was held together by some really talented people. Also, it very much had this idea of, um, oh no, it was it's it's a rude and rowdy show, and uh, like I said. Edie adores it, interestingly enough. I'm not quite sure what that says about us, our current state, but uh, um, yeah, I, I I would love to see No Heroics. I'd also love to see that zombie reality show thing, which I never got a chance Dead to see. Dead Set! I'm pretty sure Dead Set is available online now. Is it? It might be on IFC's site, because IFC ran the whole thing last year. Right. Hmm. Well, I will have to, I'll have to poke around. It's, it's, is it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really like zombie TV. But mm-hmm. um, or zombie anything, but I thought the dead, I thought the dead set was really fun. <laughs> you are not part of the new zombie economy, my friend. I am really not. Yeah, I'm. I was the person who was like this Walking Dead TV show. It's kind of shitty. Um, way before everyone else agreed with me, I was that the trailblazer true. of someone who was you, like, "You certainly oh. were." 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although, interestingly enough, doesn't seem to be hurting it much. It's no, it's, it's it's going gangbusters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, actually, I think we've got the uh, Mo Walker's fourth question. Can you guys Monday morning quarterback the creative team changes on the new 52 titles? I haven't been paying enough attention, really. No. Have you? you probably... I, I, I have, but I'm not, I don't know how to, I don't know how to approach it apart from, so they're changing things. I mean, it looks like they're just, it looks like with this end of the sixth issue, which will obviously be the first collection. Right. Um, they're switching things up in comics they don't think are working. Mm-hmm. And that seems like a good idea to me. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with all their changes, but at the same time, I can't disagree with the idea that if books aren't working or are judged not to be working, then right. change it. I think that's that seems, makes sense. I don't know what episode it was on, by the way, but um, I definitely think the the part where you and I talked about why John Rosen was off Static Shock, your theory about it possibly being conflicts with Scott McDaniel, that was actually a lovely piece of Monday morning quarterbacking because it made a lot of sense and. Um, but I think that's the closest that we've ever come to actually being able to do what, what Mo's asking for here, unfortunately. Uh, let's see. Hellblazer. Da, da, da. <sighs> Hellblazer asks, Hellblazer, first of all, must be British. <laughs> because his third question is, any thoughts on how a Simon Furman penned version of Flashpoint to Fear Itself might have turned out? Mm. Mentioning Simon Furman alone mm-hmm. <laughs> leads me to believe you're probably British and you probably were raised on Transformers. Yes. Um, yes. How would it have turned out? I don't know. I've not read enough Simon Furman in the last, let's be honest, twenty years right. to really say anything about how his his writings worked out now. And to be honest, outside of his um, Transformers work, I have really variable opinions about his uh, writing. I, I I remember Dragon Claws and Death's Head, his mm. two Marvel UK series from like nineteen ninety, maybe. Right. 91 um, with varying degrees of buying every issue and wanting every issue to be significantly better than it actually was right exactly <laughs> and didn't he contribute didn't he write one of the Annihilation miniseries he, as well he possibly did yeah I want to say that he might have written one of those I'm, I'm tempted to say Ronan the Accuser but I don't necessarily know I, I, I if not it seems like sort of thing he might have written um how would it have turned out? It probably would have been great for people who like Simon Furman. Some people who adore him, yeah. Yeah, because uh, he has a very, very, very excited fan base. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he really does. His his fan base is pretty devoted. And Simon I, Furman, I personally the British that, yeah. Chris Claremont. I'm just yes. throwing these things out today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see. Gra- Given Graham struggles in a recent podcast to find things he's liked by the insanely bearded one, how about lower key stuff like the Ballad of Halo Jones or Top 10 or 49ers Mini? I've not read Top 10 49ers. Ballad of Halo Jones, I really can't get into, and it is all the future slang. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really, really, it, just anything that you does that, I have problems with. Yeah, I I need to revisit it, but I, I basically had the same problems. And I actually was staring at this, and I'm like, holy shit, I read the 49ers mini, didn't I? I know I did. I read the hard, I had the hardcover. Did I read it? I honestly don't remember much about it. So that's not going to help anyone much. Uh, let's yeah. see. M. Bender, MD. I don't think you're a real doctor, Mr. M. Bender. Uh, <laughs> also does not like Red Wing. Craig Conlon points out that the competition-winning Pink Pancakes joke was written by Charlie Brooker in 1999. 
okay uh i didn't know that it still makes me laugh <laughs> it still made me laugh i i did a little bit of research by clicking at the uh, wikipedia and i think that uh, my theory is is that the pink pancake joke um uh, i i feel that um god of course now i'm blocking on the guy who wrote it the uh, delightful al 2000 AD guy yeah al when i felt when Al starts with uh, updating the joke to include Wolverine, and then by mentioning the um, the pink pancake part uh, and uh, what's his name, McHudnell. I feel he's at least giving a, a shout out as to what the inspiration was for his joke. So, unless there's a joke about antimantium balls making a clinking noise on the glass, which is arguably what the the part that won it. Yeah, that's kind of what I think. I mean, definitely, we the Mick Hudnall thing was just kind of like gravy on the terror, terror cake. But uh, I, I, you know, I think I think, ooh, gravy on cake. I really am having some problems. <laughs> it's I'm telling you, it's that sort of morning. Joke. I haven't eaten yet, it so really I'm like getting a little. You have yeah, all? It's eleven o'clock in the morning. I know, and I went to the gym. Actually, I, I've had a banana, but you know, it'll be all right. Uh, Gary wants us to discuss Warren Ellis at some point. Uh, I'm sure we will at some point. I'm sure we already have. You know, we kind of we, have. We've but... never done a, more, a big Warren Ellis thing. You know, I think the thing is, is that w- one of the things that Gary mentions is, is that Ellis's work seems to be very divisive, and I think neither you nor I are very divided about it. Um, that, I might put Gary yeah, to that actually yeah, be a problem. Yeah, it's like I think. Oh, it's, I was going to say, it's like he should dig up old issues of Splash Page because I seem to remember Chad and Tim going around. On oh, they, they they both are very into Ellis. Mm. Yeah, so I I I thought that uh, yeah we're just we're just lukewarm on Ellis. I think it's you know it might have been a very different conversation ten years ago, but I think we both have are are tired of him in exactly the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Warren. Um, Jeff. Although that being said, the little Nemo uh, pastiche page. Did you click on that? I did. It's very funny. Yeah, I thought that was actually just very very lovely, but. Um, that was it. Je- yes, Jeff, Jeff, not Lester, mm-hmm. which I still love that name. I don't know why I find that, <laughs> that name so funny, but I really do. Jeff, not Lester is the greatest name. Um, is is disappointed in Joss Whedon mm-hmm. uh, and thinks that he's becoming increasingly formulaic and so asks, who will die in Avengers as someone must? I don't think any of the main characters are going to die in Avengers. I think possibly Maria Hill if someone has to die, but I don't think anyone's going to die in Avengers. Um, and would we even be so bold as to knock someone off and much ado about nothing? No. <laughs> yes, that's true. I don't think that that's going to happen. Although eventually, well, to, to be fair, much ado about nothing is his rewrite of the play. It's not a straight right. performance of the play. Right. Yeah. So he could. So he could. Know, maybe. Well, I mean, I kind of hope that he doesn't. Because I think that his whole like, oh, I'm, you know, unless he's doing it as a way to to sort of piss take his reputation, which I think would kind of suck. As for the Avengers, I do actually think that there's a good chance that somebody is going to die. I think it could be a special shield agent boring guy or, and this one would be interesting, Hawkeye. Or Thor. They could kill Thor because that never happens. Dude, you haven't read Fear Itself 7.1 yet, have you? No, but I saw I saw it spoiled for me by the oh, okay. thanks internet, um, and I laughed my ass off. <laughs> Please tell me the execution is not as hilarious as the news. Uh, 
apparently a bunch of other people who seem to be tweeting Ed Brubaker don't think so. I thought so. I was like, this, like, I did not buy the issue. I picked it up, flipped through it, read, read it sort of in the stands, and I was like, ah, uh, no. I mean, this is the thing. I'm kind of like, I would have had stronger feelings for it if I hadn't felt that they, if it had been, if it had been so ineptly, it was so ineptly handled in Fear Itself. Yeah, um, and the people did not really think he was dead when he was dead. Exactly, exactly. So I kind of feel like it's that thing where, like, um, you know, a kid at school tries to pull a trick on you and it doesn't work. And so they work overtime trying to convince you to see something at the bottom of, I don't know, a locker that you definitely aren't seeing. And you basically like just do it to humor them. And then they try and do the whole, ha ha, fooled ya. And it's like, no, I, no. Wait, do they, do they actually even try and do this as anything other than he was never dead? <clears throat> Bless me. Bless you. Um, yeah, well, because it, it opens with them going to the funeral. So the whole idea is is that, um, God, I, I just don't want to necessarily spoil it outright. Well, well I, we pretty much have. Yeah, okay. Listeners, we apologize in advance. If you still haven't read 7.1 by the time this goes on air, we are now going to spoil this even more abominably and outright than we have already. Bucky, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier, not dead. Uh and it opens up with like Steve at his funeral and blah 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 and everybody being sad face and then what happens is Nick Fury is like hey I got something to tell you they pull the whole life model decoy scam um, they had an oh my god bucket. seriously that's yeah. how they do it what happens is it's one of those deals where he's being med- his body's being medevaced out after he's been you know killed by wait, sin wait, wait, and they that, find- that makes no sense well, hold on, hold on. Okay, so it's really Bucky who really who really has the thing driven through his chest. Then, as he's being, you know, his body's being medevaced out, and Black Widow's crying over his body, and Nick Fury's there. A guy's like, "Hey, we found a pulse. It's like super faint." And so they go to all this length of him essentially being, you know, Natasha's like, "Go for it." play the long odds, try and restore him. And they're all saying like, you know, he's just going to be a vegetable. It's like, he want Bucky would want us to do this. So in secret, they basically patch him up. And then the thing is, is that Natasha and Bucky, because of the whole thing going on in the events of Captain America, where um, Bucky is a, a villain, you know, has, has been uh, imprisoned in Russia and ends up illegally escaping. The whole idea is they agree the best thing to do is to fake his death. They have an LMD of Bucky that they end up using as the body that everyone sees and gets buried. And he comes back and tells Steve, like, this is my idea. I want to drop out of sight and operate from the shadows again. Uh, And nobody even seems to point out the idea that I think Hibbs pointed out in his review that that's only going to, like, it's going to flag things even more instantly, I think, you know, if he turns around and starts doing his winter soldiery type shenanigans, like, that's going to clearly stick out, you know. That should be one thing if he was going to retire, but he's... That's not. ridiculous. Yes, exactly. It's ridiculous, and as far as I can tell, unfortunately, at least on Twitter, Brubaker seems very, very pleased with himself for this turn of events. I'm like, I would have picked up a winter soldier's series going before fear itself started i'm pretty comfortable saying that i 
will more likely than not not be picking it up. Well, I thought you decided you weren't going to pick up any more Marvel books anyway after. It's true. So. It is that is true. So, but I'm saying like even if I somehow manage to argue myself through that tangle and talk myself back into it, but yeah, yesterday the only Marvel comic that I picked up was Shame itself. So, make of that what you will. <laughs> Did you feel Shame itself picking up, Jack? Uh, you know, I, I I actually I'm like it's got Colleen Coover art in it, so no. <laughs> um, Mike Walker asks, "Are you reading Kevin Zenga's Ganges? And if so, what did you think of issue four? I am reading it. I haven't picked up issue four, um, basically because I completely forgot issue four was out. Uh, when I pick it up, I I'm sure I will completely love it, like I have loved every single other issue of Ganges. Exactly. Uh, I just I read issue four last night because it only hit Comics Experience. Uh, yesterday, essentially. I don't know if it's an East Coast, West Coast thing, or, you know, I don't know how many people have managed to read it so far, but for myself, I literally read it the first day that I could. I thought it was fucking phenomenal, and I'm I'm stunned by... I don't, I don't want to spoil it for Grant, but I'm really stunned by the way that issue four plays off the themes of the previous issues. Well, they all have, which is what makes it such an amazing series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. So it consistently kind of, builds. Yeah, and and just when I kind of thought I'm like, okay, well, this will be something, and then it ends up being just holy shit. Like Kevin Huizinga is doing his exploration of human consciousness is just is just knocking me on my ass. Um, and Screamland. What is Screamland? Do you know? Uh, I want to say Screamland is the series where the horror monster movie icons are all real and were actors in the movies and are now trying to eke out a living after that fad is over. Huh. Um, I'm not reading it. I've heard really good things about it. So I'll probably pick up the collection. It had totally uh, swam by me. That does seem like a very classic um, story that I would, story hook that I would want to read. So thank you for bringing that to my attention. C. Brown says, of DC's new 52 books, which titles do you think have a strong concept but lame execution, and what creative team would you put on that book to fulfill the promise of that concept? Mr. Terrific. Mm -hmm. I'm not joking. I'm enjoying Mr. Terrific not because of the book, but because of the hints of the more interesting book that are there. Mm. Mr. Terrific, I think, is at best a mediocre book, Mm -hmm. uh, but I love... A, the new origin story for the character completely mm-hmm. adored mm-hmm. and B, the hint in issue 2 that he's called Mr. Terrific because he set himself up as some sort of childish superhero that has some mm-hmm. form of community outreach because there's a scene where he's wandering through I, get, I think it's LA, I could be wrong he's wandering through a street somewhere and a kid mm-hmm. comes up and shows him that he is uh, press on tattoos like Mr. Terrific and Mr. Terrific says, fair play, and the kids all say as one, saves the day. Which it implies that there's, you know, there's some sort of branding thing going on. Right. And I love the idea. I love the idea that this genius sets himself up as a superhero to act as an inspiration to kids. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's something about that that I really like. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. never said, it's never explicitly said in the story at all. They don't deal with it. There's literally a scene that comes out of nowhere and is not re- remarked upon again. Mm-hmm. I love the concept. I really like the idea. Um, mm-hmm. Who would I put in that? I don't know. I'd, right. I'd put John Rosen on it. I would give mm-hmm. that book to John Rosen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure who I'd put on as artist. 
Nope. I can't think of anyone I'd put on as artist right now. Okay. You? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, honestly, it's one of those things where it's like looking at the... I, I fell so short of reading the the new 52, like all 52 titles. Like, I would be surprised if I even cracked like 15, you know? So part of me is like... Eh, it's okay for what it is, kind of like you know. I, I like the Fury of Firestorm, the first issue, but I didn't even bother to read the second. Don't. It's terrible. Oh really? It's really bad. Oh shit! That's such sad news. Well, then I guess in theory that would be one that uh, we would we would throw onto the onto the block. But I wouldn't know who to put on it or to know necessarily what's wrong with it. You know? Oh, I can tell you what's wrong with it. <laughs> Yes, I know. Well, and I'm hoping you shall. Um, what's wrong with it is the second issue is a mess. The second issue doesn't just go nowhere. It sort of implodes. Wow. It's it's just... they say, I mean, there, there are a lot of interesting ideas in the first issue. Mm-hmm. Almost none of which are dealt with in the second issue. Mm-hmm. The second issue is just noise. Mm. That's kind of what I was afraid would happen. Not necessarily with that title, but I definitely feel like a lot of the... New 52 have some problems where it's like first issue is like set up second issue is like we're not going to wrap this up yet you know so it's like blah 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 um you know I, I so this is it I'm I'm weirdly non Monday morning quarterbacky with the DC 52 and I should probably be more invested like Fury of Firestorm I like that first issue if they screwed the pooch on that then I would say they should change that up uh Captain Adam, I like the idea of Dr. Manhattan Comics, frankly, but I didn't even really, when I picked it up, I just wasn't into it enough. Like, I even the, I know you guys really dug the art by, I guess, Freddie Williams, but it just didn't, it didn't play for me. Um, You're a soulless motherfucker. I'm pretty goddamn soulless, I have to say. When it comes to a lot of these, I'm sort of like, eh, I would like a better artist on Frankenstein, Agent of Shade. I know a lot of people... Yeah, I I would really like a better artist. I've decided, by the way, that my artist on Mr. Terrific is going to be Sean Murphy. Oh, nice. (laughs) There you go, Sean Murphy. Uh, Sean Murphy and whoever I said was going to uh, join Rosam. I think that'd be a great comic. (laughs) I'd read that. Yeah, 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 Uh, exactly. We have like eight minutes left or something. Should we try and find some more quick questions? Oh, yeah, let's just keep plowing through. We, wait, we have eight minutes. I've got 11, nine, I've got 11, 20. Well, okay. In any event, yes, let's go. Um, a favorite comic by writer, artist, or cartoonist whose work you don't usually care for? From Hell by Alan. Oh, yeah. There's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Which I adore. adore I Eddie really Campbell. Adore. So, yeah, it's kind of a toss up, right? Yeah, but here's the thing I only adore Eddie Campbell's Alec. Oh, interesting. I don't think Vac is that interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Fascinating. Okay. Well, that's that's good to know. Uh, right. From Hell by Alan Moore for you. Oh, I I kind of liked. Uh, oh, you know, I liked. Um, I don't. I, I bitch about Brian Azzarello. Uh, I liked his Doctor Thirteen miniseries. Of course, Cliff Chang always makes his. I mean, oh no, Azzarello is kind of he's sort of like Mark Miller in that his artists are always fantastic he's had very few like bad or even mediocre artists the problem is is that Azarello's work drives me up a wall but this first issue of Spaceman I liked a lot more than I thought it would that's going to be I'm sure I could dig around and find a more interesting supple answer but we don't have time so uh, Stanley versus Alan Moore there's no way we can do that in the time remaining 
Oh Steve yeah, Gar- absolutely. Steve yeah. Garber's running de- Defenders again. No way. Yeah, yeah we could do it. Uh, new Fifty Two, new second issues are out. We kind of did that a bit last week. A little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah I think James Woodward has. Claremont's X Men is mm-hmm. going to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite TV show that's on right now. Go. <laughs> uh, uh, for me, it really vacillates between. Ah, gosh. Uh, Community. Um, What's the other one that we're always kind of excited to sit down and watch? It's like, we like Community, we like Parks and Rec. I'm not watching a ton of, like, current TV, so I'm going to say that it's... I'm completely with you with Community and Parks and Rec. Uh, I would add in Onion News Network and Modern Family. Oh, nice. Nice. Onion News Network, it just kills me all the time. Yeah, I I think should definitely. If only because so the, um, the Steve Jobs joke was so wonderfully tasteless and so quick. Really? Did you not see the Steve Jobs? Like, it was no. whatever, because Steve Jobs died on a Wednesday and the following Tuesday they have a report on Apple's about to launch the Steve Jobs 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be upgraded. He's now going to have a white turtleneck and curly hair. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's brilliant. Um, My turtleneck in particular is great. Did you see the spectacular Pete Townsend um, speech that he gave in Britain about iTunes being a digital vampire and Steve Jobs, how he wanted to cut Steve Jobs' balls off while also thinking he was the coolest man alive because of his black clothes? That is hilarious. Really? That's great. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's Pete Townsend being... Completely, completely insane. Um, aside from Ghost Rider wearing a helmet, asks Stephen Williamson, what other superheroes would you like to see acting responsibly and setting a good example for a change? Uh, for example, Wolverine using nicotine patches and seeing an anger management counselor. Hey, Wolverine doesn't smoke anymore and hasn't done for like a decade now. Uh, yeah, they all quit. Actually, I would love to do an issue that is just the, it's like the corner and it's this special area of the negative zone where everyone sneaks off to smoke. <laughs> Um, the Teen Titans getting HPV vaccinations Luke Cage and Jessica Jones doing couples yoga and taking their kids to Gymboree I'd love to see Luke Cage and Jessica Jones doing couples yoga I would too that would actually just be the best what other superiors would like to see acting responsibly and setting a good example Um, I'd like to see Spider-Man doing an anti-litter thing because I always wonder what happens when he's webbing mills oh yeah does it just they just make it seem like it melts away yeah it seems to dissolve right yeah, it's supposed to dissolve into the air, but everyone finds that a little convenient. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Also, uh, why has no one ever analyzed his webbing and then created their own? I know. I've it's always thought about that, too. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, I totally... Well, I sort of half-figured, because some of those spider slayers... I don't, I don't know. Because, uh, yeah, like, it's not it's... like the bad guys never run away with his webbing on them. Right. Right, right. Or yeah, for that matter, definitely. why has no one ever found they've got a spider tracer on them and instead of destroying it, analyzed it and then worked out how to do anything with the spider sense? I, I think that actually somebody did do that. They did? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's like, uh, but you know, it's only happened like once in like 500 issues or something like that. So, I mean, it, it, I will know if I come across it in my reread, I'll let you know. But I'm 90% sure someone actually did do that and, and laid the trap. Um, dude, we're gonna have so many troubles with these questions because there's so many. I know, but we're not even halfway job. through. <laughs> well, to be fair, there's a lot of uh, there, there's there's a lot of fighting. Can we address the fighting, people? I don't care 
about your crazy politics arguing <laughs> in the thread. I mean, I am I. I could I, I could give you my political take on the questions being offered, but I think they'd just have more political fighting. Right, it'd just and, be a lot more of things on the flame. And I don't so. think really. I mean, you guys can all believe whatever you believe and vote for who you want to vote for, and I think that's awesome. And I'm not being sarcastic when I say that, but um, I'm ambivalent to wishing that you'd all stop arguing about your own politics as if you're going to make someone change their mind, because none of you are. You know, the thing that I think is interesting about the, the arguments is that on the one hand, because I'm such a lefty, I really am super pink. And so some of the arguments that were being put forth, uh, I totally agreed with. And yet I kind of didn't agree with how they were being made. And some of the people whose politics I'm at complete loggerheads with actually were being a little more polite and considerate in the way that they were expressing their opinions. Yeah, there there was one in particular that I can't even find anymore that was essentially all conservatives are crybabies or something I really just want to be like please there it's it's um it's Steve D Steve D I found yeah. your comment uh his number his point C conservatives are crybabies even as a joke please don't say that I know <laughs> it's hard it's really tough because I totally Steve D is the guy where the majority of his opinions I think I'm totally I'm utterly lined up on uh, even to an extent, I know exactly what he's talking about with that, but it's just, it's so reductive. It's no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I can win anything. That's what I mean. Like, even as a joke, it's mm-hmm. just, yeah. there's no value in saying that other than venting. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's, it's like the riots at uh, Occupy Oakland. You know? Also, it's like, holy crap with the riots at Occupy Oakland. I, I know. And the tear gassing last night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's... It's on. I really... I, I'm impressed that at least the news that I watched while I was at the gym took the time to mention and point out that a lot of protesters um, went around, were going around and helping clean up and remove the graffiti or tried to stop the people who were trying to turn it into a riot. Um, I, I appreciated the fact that it was... That they were showing the that 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 there was more than just a a a, an, a blind mob. Well, no, I, even I, I, as th- they were crafting, you know, stories where the hook was like it started out as a war against the corporations and has turned into a battle against small business. It started like, out as a war against greed. Now it's just a war. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Where it's like, ah, guys, really? So yeah. But you know, that's, basically, that's, that's news. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Ultimately, news. It's a head slapper. Um, although I think somebody did a kind of in the middle of it ask a question about uh, vigilantism uh, and the politics of superheroes, and I feel like that's another one. We're going to have to get a little Mister Master Index that we can refer people to because I think we've discussed that before. That would involve us listening to all of our podcasts again, Jack. Dude, I I know I can't even remember what we've said, and I ha- I listened to all of them two or three times. I know. I I think it's I think that's probably good. That that's it's the body's natural healing process. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we covered a lot of stuff without really feeling like we covered a lot of stuff. Which doctor have you been reading it? Uh, I have not. 
Okay, because I, I picked up issue four yesterday and was going to talk about how much I enjoyed it, and then remembered you saying that you were thinking about picking it up digitally, and so wanted to check to see if you'd picked it up. I, I haven't. I'm. Th- this has been this has been the week of craziness. To be perfectly honest. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so, um, yeah, I, horribly yeah. behind. Yeah, it was. It wasn't a bad week of comics, apart from OMAC number three and Swamp Thing number three, which I thought looked wonderful. Um, and had some great apeshit ideas in it, but really the plotting, it, it was they were badly paced. Also, Action Comics number three. Um, I'll be curious to talk about that with you, I guess, next week. There's there's a there's your cliffhanger. Dun dun. This dun. week, everyone, I honestly will get the comics over again, and next week we'll talk comics, and we might actually talk comics and not just try and answer questions in an hour. Yeah, exactly. We'll have a little more time. Oh, I just, I'm killed that we lost our first half hour out of that. That's, that's, that's what happens. Honestly, it's the way the day is. It has been, right? It really so, has been crazy. So, listeners, I'm really, really sorry for this short, tiny, tiny little episode. However, on the plus side, it means Jeff has much less to edit. Yes, yes. So, I hope that you guys are happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we'll we'll get back to our longer, more comfortable stride uh, as we go on. So, uh, so thanks everybody. Bye. Bye. Are you actually waving, Graham? Because I'm actually. Waving. I actually was waving. That's hilarious. <laughs>